0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Basement Binge. As we continue our binge through the Transformer series, once again joined by the great Matt and Rob from Matt Goes to the Movies. Thank you both for being here.
1: I'm so excited to be here. As am
2: I.
0: I have been looking forward. I mean, like, since we did the last episode, now we're doing this one. Obviously, I've been looking forward to this. But but specifically, these episodes. I have been looking forward to this specific episode for a long time. <laughs>
2: like
1: yeah no okay. i i know i was listening i was so anticipating i mean what two months ago when we first talked about this uh, like in a group about hey this is what i want to do i was like yeah just a- absolutely tell me when yeah. yeah
0: i'm looking forward to this uh and then since watching the movie and yeah i have in my letterbox profile you can like say some things about yourself in your profile heading and one of the things i said is defender of michael bay and I'm going to be taking that title very seriously today. Like, <laughs> extremely. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So, obviously, if you didn't know from the title of the episode that you clicked on it or now listen to, it, we're talking about Transformers. The first live-action Transformers movie directed by Michael Bay. And, uh, yeah, we will get into it with the first segment here, Two Cents, which is completely spoiler-free. We'll give our knee-jerk reaction. Rob, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say because... For listeners, if you haven't listened to the episode before or any episode with Man Rob, they are both great. Rob has this reputation where sometimes he tends to ruin everything. And in <laughs> particular, has brought up some complaints about Michael Bay and Transformers for good reason. And when we've joked about doing these movies and when we've planned them, he's all, we've always teased Rob that we're going to have to somehow convince him of the positive qualities of this. So I'm like, there's so much... I, I'm so interested in what you have to say, Rob. So we're going to let you go last. So... <laughs> Matt, I'll have you go first and then I'll go in the middle and then Rob. All
1: right. Well, this movie for me is after rewatching, you know, obviously very recently for this. This is 100% to me, actually, way before Michael Bay just got the biggest head in Hollywood. And this is a pretty, for me, coherent movie that. It has all of your Michael Bay typical things. Explosions, cr- really cringy dialogue, but it works. Because again, this this movie is coherent. I think there's good action. The story actually makes sense when you compare it to the four other, well no, yeah, four other movies in this franchise that are directed by him. Uh, I, I think this is really actually a really Good piece of film. I I really do enjoy this movie and think it's really bizarre to me, though, how far some of this got off the rails as we continued to go into this universe, considering how like coherent I think this movie actually can be. Um, And maybe that is like emphasized by how far off track I think some of the other movies got. But yeah, I, I like this movie and I I really think he actually did a good job with this.
0: Well, I'm going to follow that up and and say a lot of what Matt did, that that I feel like if people remembered this movie more when they thought about Transformers, they would have more positive things to say. The same way that I think if people thought more about The Force Awakens when they thought about the sequel trilogy for Star Wars, they would have more positive things. You know, we I think we can all agree, even though Rob is wrong about The Last Jedi, the sequel <laughs> trilogy got <laughs> messy. It it, it it turned into a mess. Things were incoherent. And... And that is the same problem with this Transformers universe as well, It is, is things got very Michael Bay and messy and contradictory. And The Last Night is a movie that we are going to have to talk about eventually. But in the meantime, this is a great action movie. Like, yes, it does have those things where because I know it's directed by Michael Bay, this is definitely a Michael Bay movie. But if I didn't know, you know, the, the archetype of Michael Bay, and you just showed me this movie. It's like, yeah, this is just an action movie. This is a good action blockbuster that you know is is trying for the first time ever to bring Transformers to live action and display them to a really wide audience on a huge summer blockbuster movie. Um, has very Spielberg attitudes to it in some ways, uh, and for the most part, works really, really well for me. Um, there again, there's a special place in my heart for this particular movie. A lot of nostalgia towards it, but even trying to take that away, this is a pretty good summer blockbuster action movie. And, it, and, and it's a good, I would say, a lot of the complaints that people later say about Transformers, I didn't really see here with this one. You know, we don't focus on the, the robots enough. We focus too much on humans. And I think that this one, for the majority of it, does a pretty good balance of that and uses the humans in a way to make it, ground it in reality as they attempted to do. Um, so yeah, Matt and I are kind of on the same page, but Rob might take us off the rails over to you rob
2: <laughs> so um i i also agree this is your quintessential summer blockbuster um just a fun action film throw popcorn in your face try really hard not to think too much about it if you start thinking about it you kind of have some questions and as long as you don't think about it you're gonna have a great time pretty much anytime you watch this movie it's fun there's it feels like the creative teams that worked on this really have a true love for transformers. Um, I kind of, I kind of have to feel like I, sh- I feel like I have to share the original story of when I saw this movie. Um, my, my good friend from college, Darren uh, moved to Hollywood to work in the film industry right out of college. And I always respected him for just picking everything up and moving and, and just saying he was going to go do it. And, He's worked as an extra a lot. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's, he's actually producing some short films right now. He's, he's actually winning some awards for some of his short films. So really, you know, really proud of my buddy. And uh, my wife, Rachel, and I were in Vegas one time for a wedding. So we rented a car, drove out to see my buddy, Darren. While we were there, this was actually when this film was in theaters. And he worked at this place kind of as his nine-to-five called the Cinerama Dome, which you may or may not be familiar with. Anyways, a lot of premieres happen at the Cinerama Dome. Um, and we went and saw this film. At the Cinerama Dome. Now, to try to describe the size of the screen, um, imagine the biggest screen your brain can possibly think of. Now it's three times that size. (laughs) At least. It's so big. Like, it is so big. Um, And you actually have to sit through the previews of the movie you're going to see just for your brain to take time to understand how to look at this screen. That's how big this thing is. And finally, by the time the movie starts, you're actually prepared to intake the information through your eyeballs and then get it into your brain and figure out what you're watching. So when you're watching a movie like Transformers, where the visual effects are really well done, say what you want about anything else. The visual effects are incredibly well done, particularly the slow-mo moments. When, you've, when this movie goes to slow motion, the scene in the desert, uh, so many of the battle scenes when they choose to go slow motion are incredibly effective. Being, watching that on a screen that's like the size of a stadium, um, it was just an incredible experience. And I came out of the theater thinking, oh my God, that was awesome. Um, come to buy the movie on DVD later and rewatch it. And I had a very different experience. And it was like, <laughs> actually, hold on, wait. Parts of this kind of suck. Like Parts of this are kind of dumb. Parts of this dialogue are garbage. Like a, a lot of this doesn't make sense. A lot of this really needs the audience to kind of go along with it to make it make sense and and i've kind of just sort of you know it, it was really a disappointment on on future rewatches. um and i think part of it was just it wasn't the magic of, of seeing it on that massive screen and part of it was you you know you kind of start paying attention to things a little bit more on rewatches and and third watch throughs and things like that so i'd not really sat down and watch this movie start to finish um recently it had been a long time so i was I was kind of excited to see, like, okay, have I been too hard on this particular film um, or not? So I will save my thoughts on that for after we get through Rummage for the Rotten, because I don't want to tip my hand. But um, (laughs) there's there's actually a lot here that's that's really fun. Um, You know, there's just something magical about seeing the Autobots logo for the first time on Bumblebee's steering wheel towards the beginning of the movie. There's something really magical about that and and you can actually say that at other points uh of this movie. Um and it's it's funny because like you kind of forget why is Josh Duhamel not a bigger movie star? Like you see him in this and you go he's actually really good. Yeah. Like why why is he not a bigger movie star? Like it kind of just reminds you of little things like that.
0: Yeah. Um wow, this is going to be a really fun episode. I this is just this is a, a fun movie to talk about and um I'm excited for that. So, like Rob mentioned, we're going to move into rummage for the rotten here that he didn't want to give us too many hints on, um, which is where when there's a group of us on the podcast, we all rummage to see who the rotten is, the person who's going to like it the least um, out of five reels that we rated at the end, bringing that over from Matt's show. Um, Rob was a rummage for the last one, for Transformers, the movie, the animated one that we started with. I, I think I went into this assuming that Rob was, get, without a doubt, going to be the rotten. <laughs> I'm still not sure. Uh, I mean, like now, I, I think I still am leaning towards Rob, but, uh, but less certain than I was. I'm, I'm going to say Rob, but I, but I will say that it's not going to be like a landslide like I thought it would be. I, I'm going to guess maybe half a reel is what will differentiate Rob and the person closest to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to say the same thing, but I, I don't think it's going to be just because he can't stand the movie. I think it's going to be based on what you and I said, Harrison, that we genuinely do like this movie, so I think we're going to rate it pretty favorably. I mean, we're going to rate it fair on what we think, but I think just naturally, Rob, you know, likes this movie less than we do, but doesn't hate it.
2: Right. I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> um uh yeah i'm probably gonna be the rotten but it's not by much um i found myself um and and part of this is you know just it, it this is actually a fun movie to watch um so my son and i sat down to watch this last night and uh you know he was having a good time i was having a good time and I kind of forgave some of the parts of this that I hated. So, I think I will likely still be the Rotten because there's some parts of this that I'm just like, okay, that's absolute crap. Um, but I found myself forgiving a lot more this time. So, I will still be the Rotten, but not by much.
0: Okay. Um, well, that is our so we all think it's going to be rough May, maybe we should just have a sign that we hold up it's rob for all <laughs> of the next transformers episodes like we could just rename this the the segment to rob is the rotten instead of rummage yeah.
2: for the run but by how much that's the right yeah, yeah. yeah. what's You've the, the difference for the run brought to you by fanduel you have to pick the over under how many <laughs> reels i will be the rotten <laughs> by exactly exactly um, cool. Well, there's not too many announcements here
0: happening at the basement binge uh, because we're just reviewing Transformers. So, Matt or Rob, if you have any announcements for Matt Goes to the Movies or anything else that you just want to tell the listeners, I, it could be about whatever you want. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank you. At, at Matt Goes to the Movies. I know Rob, will let him piggyback off that. He's working on another Rob's Reviews. Uh, I have just finished a uh video review for thor love and thunder i've seen that movie twice now uh i will also be doing the new resident evil series that just released on netflix um i'll be doing those actually in a live watch party which is going to be pretty cool so i'll be reviewing those as i watch um those episodes so that's really the uh the you know what's coming right now on matt goes to the movies
2: and i've been talking about it for Three months now, but by the end of July, there will be a new episode of Rob's Reviews out. Uh, Eric and I are working on something right now.
0: Wait, exciting things happening. Exciting things. I just saw, I had no idea that the Resident Evil series was happening. Didn't even know it was a thing, but I saw your TikTok. And the picture you put up, I was like, what is this? Like, is this Stranger Things? This isn't Stranger (laughs) Things. Like, Because I just had no idea what it was. And uh, I had to do some goop. No, no, then then I turned my phone sideways and I was like, oh, it's Resident Evil. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> um, but yeah, exciting things happen over at Magos the Movies, which you can find all of that linked below. Additionally, it's just Magos the Movies, wherever you pocket. Okay, moving on to the next segment Pick Your Poison. This is a rating scale here at the Basin Binge, all about the binge ability of the film. So the poison that you're picking is how would you choose to interact with this film after watching it this time? There's four ratings, they're all pretty straightforward. The bottom one is to never watch it again. Enough said. Above that is to stream it. It's on a service you're already paying for and you're kind of just browsing, looking for something to watch just to put on and you'd be willing to click on this. Um, Above that is to rent it. In the right circumstances, you'd pay a few dollars digitally on Redbox. However, If you're near the Blockbuster in Washington or whatever it is, you'd go to Blockbuster. you pay a few bucks for it. Uh, The top of the list you probably saw it coming is to buy it. That is the highest rating something you can earn here at the Basin Binge is to own it. Digitally, Blu-ray, however, watch it as many times as you would like. Um, I'm going to go first. Um, Actually, let's just go in reverse order of two cents. So Rob, then myself, then Matt. So we'll let you go first, Rob.
2: So, God, I hate that every time we do Pick Your Poison, I feel like I have to explain it. I can't just give it a, a number. <laughs> I, know. Just, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's It feels like that's kind of just, but that's the nature of entertainment right now. Uh, I actually do own this movie um, already, but if I did not already own it, um, I would, it, it's somewhere between a stream and a rent for me. Um, because I don't, I don't know the circumstances where I'm like, you know what I want to watch today? Transformers. Um so it, that would be more of like in the stream it range for me because it's not a never watch it again by far. I mean, I will definitely watch this movie again at some point in my life. Um, so I guess the, the rent it would be like if my kids came to me and said, hey, dad, um, let's watch Transformers. We really want to see it. And it's not currently available on a streaming service. And I'd be like, yeah, three or four bucks. Sure, that's fine. We'll do that. Um, so like that's kind of my circumstances, if that makes sense.
0: All right. Uh, that leaves me next. So I, too, already own this movie. I own all of them, actually, in the Blu-ray steelbook, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, like, what is wrong with me? Actually, no, nothing's wrong with me. I did that intentionally.
2: Um,
0: but, it, but for the segment, what I buy it again, and the, the, and and again, like, Rob, I have to explain myself. This is, this is why this segment is the way it is, which is kind of fun. I would buy this movie, but this isn't like the same rating that something like dune or the batman or the new top gun maverick that came out like where that's earning a buy this is a completely different type of buy where there is something special about this movie to me part of its nostalgia part of it's the absolute ridiculous michael bay summer blockbuster that it is that is there is something about me that is enjoys that to an excessive amount like like even though we're gonna get there to the last night. And I, I don't think I stand a chance in defending Michael Bay for Transformers last night. But I will put that movie on at least every other year and love it. And, and love it the entire time I'm watching it. There's... Maybe I'm going to learn by the end of this that I need help. We'll <laughs> see. But I know that the Transformer movies are one that I will consistently re-watch throughout my life. I'll love in all their ridiculousness, but especially this one. So of all movies that earn a, a, a bin, the binge-ability, this is one of them that, that I have watched consistently. Uh, since owning it, I've already watched it three times, and I only got it for Christmas last year. So, say what you will about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a movie that I would buy. So,
1: Matt. Uh, so, this is a stream um, just because... Well, again, like how we're talking about explaining ourselves, like when Rob says, well, I would rent this for like, four bucks a lot of the times when you go and look at these movies to rent it's like oh you can rent it for $3.99 or you can buy it for $9.99 and I'm like "Mm, I feel like I should just buy it for $9.99 because if I rent it twice it's eight dollars or I just buy it for two extra bucks so um but for me though I would stream this movie again um as I'm getting further away from actually buying things and like physically collecting stuff, uh, maybe I'm just getting lazy where I don't want to have to grab a case and I just want to be able to click a button now. Um, (laughs) Like this is, this is a stream for me. Um, As much as I like it, I can't see really again, just because of my personal preference on things now. um, I I can't see why I would buy this movie um, to own it. So.
0: Makes sense. All right. Well, those are rating here at the basement binge for Pick Your Poison. So on to the next segment. Um, and now spoilers are going to be coming. Obviously, if you have not seen Transformers and you're worried about spoilers, kind of confused while you're listening to this, but thanks for being here <laughs> nonetheless. Um, <laughs> the next segment is binge points, which are Easter eggs, details, behind the scenes trivia, other things that we just want to mention that aren't necessarily like the review things that you would say about it normally, but just cool insights that you have that you want to say about Transformers. Um, And I will go first. I am, I think I'm learning. I think I just have like, there's something about Michael Bay that really connects with my childhood Um, and not necessarily his movies. It's not like I grew up watching his movies. I had, this is the first movie I saw of his when I was young. Um, Eventually I saw others, you know, like Pearl Harbor, those types of things. But this like chaotic, really disjointed, explorative, action-packed, heavy-on-the-effects imagination that Michael Bay has is very much what I felt like my imagination was as a kid. Like, if I... Maybe this is the worst insult I could give myself. If I were to make movies, they would probably be Michael Bay. I, I just... I think that my imagination is similar to his. Um, where am I going with this? Sorry, I got on a total tangent there. Um, he actually is not a Transformers fan at all. So I, I think that this is an interesting thing to mention at the beginning of Binge Points. He had never really watched Transformers until he was asked to direct this movie. Uh, and Steven Spielberg called him and he's like, hey, Michael Bay, I want you to direct this movie about Transformers. He's like, no, I'm not directing that car robot movie. You know, like, no. And said no. Um, and then he was like, man, well, I really want to work with Steven Spielberg. So he, he, he went to Hasbro to what he calls Transformers school where he went through school learning about all the lore of Transformers. And that's where he learned about Transformers and kind of fell in love with them. And particularly, he mentioned that he didn't like superhero movies, but he was really into anime, Japanese anime. And he saw Transformers as a chance to bring that into live action and do something really different and unique. And uh, that's what converted him to Transformers. And then he said in the interview, he was like, so then after that, I became the biggest Transformers fan you've ever heard of, and I soaked up everything I could because I fell in love with it. But I thought that that was interesting, um, especially the idea of it being anime. There's a lot of live-action anime feel that
1: this film has. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Any bench points from the two of you? There's certainly an anime feel for how he shoots Megan Fox.
2: But... (laughs) (laughs)
1: we just need so. we
0: just dial above with like the and then the nose bleed and then it's just pure anime
1: so no i i actually did find that really funny harrison just to you know talk about your point where he he said no to directing this movie and i always found that like really hysterical like almost like this transformers franchise was beneath michael like <laughs> it was beneath him to direct it and then you know he says oh i turned into the biggest transformers fan and it's like Mm, I don't know, because you probably just love the money that came with this. So, yeah, you're going to turn into a huge Transformers fan after your your first movie made, you know, a billion dollars, basically. So uh, I did find that funny. But, I mean, there's, you know, if, for Easter eggs, again, I think, you know, this was the first sign of Michael Bay just, you know... <sighs> this is the guy that probably gets out of the shower and stands in front of the mirror to admire himself all the time. Like (laughs) he's, he's so in love with himself. It's not even funny. He makes references to his movie Armageddon. There's Easter eggs in the second movie to his other films. Like, like this is a guy that's not afraid to tell you that he thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. So there, there's a lot of Easter eggs to his, to his own movies um, in these films. But there, there's, you know, some Easter eggs to the original Transformers like Bumblebee's original design and stuff like that, which which are cool. But I, I think some of the Easter egg stuff in here is it, it's a little too like, look at me. I'm so great. I'm Michael Bay.
2: It, yeah, Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you know this or not? But I want to say Volkswagen didn't lend um, their like blessing to make bumblebee the his his VW bug because they didn't want to be associated with war and like things like war like yeah. things cuz um they they kind of have a little bit of a sketchy history circa World War II with uh, some of the stuff they were involved in.
0: Yeah, yeah. putting
2: it very mildly. Yeah, yep. it's it,
0: it's interesting there's kind of like the two parts of it like you were saying sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you Matt no, but Vol- Volkswagen was like no and then GM wanted in on it so bad that they're like We'll just give you the cars. And it ended up saving mm-hmm. like $3 million uh, from yeah. GM, just giving them cars. So,
1: yeah, GM was like, yep, you can, here you go. Just have at it, whatever yeah. you want. So,
0: yeah, they got asked, which is funny that you said that, Matt. Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of, of director commentary. So I listened to him as much as I can. And I didn't finish it for this one, but I was listening to the commentaries. And it was so funny the amount of times that he was like, Oh, yeah, I was the first one to work with the military and film the F-22 and the Black mm-hmm. Hawk and, and, and these Ospreys. And, 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 you know, I was the first to do this. I was the first to use this. And it's like, you know. I was the it, first it, to
1: shoot on the pyramids. And I was the first to do this. And I was yeah. the first to do that. And, hey, did you know that I walked on water first? Like, <laughs> yeah. And there, there is part
0: of it that I like in his movies because, like, I just want to understand this guy. Like, you made this movie. I want you to explain to me why you made it this way. And so I like that because that's my intent in going in. But yeah, there's very much where he's like, he is very pleased with himself and he tells you straight that he is. And it's it's such an interesting, it makes for an interesting directing experience.
1: Well, what's what's funny about this too, and this like, you know, this maybe this, you could call this a binge point, but watching this movie compared to the other ones and depending on how long it's been since you've seen two, three, four, and five, it really feels like this was... You know, once this movie was successful and it made more money than, you know, what the studio thought and they were like, oh, my God, like this is, you know, this is a hit like, wow, it really kind of shows in these next movies where it's like, okay, they literally just gave the reins to Michael Bay. Because this is a Michael Bay movie, but it still feels a little bit more controlled. Like there was some more input from sources, whether it was Spielberg or anything like that. But once the numbers started rolling in for this movie, they were like, you know, kind of like GM. They were just like, here you go. Here's a truckload of money. Michael Bay, you do whatever you want to do. Like you have 100% control over this franchise. We don't need to tell you to do anything. We don't need to tell you to reel it in. Um, and that's just like, that's the impression that I get watching these next movies, like, especially compared to this one. This one feels more contained, so to speak.
0: Yeah, well, I'll say one more thing and then I'll let Rob say anything he wants. Um, I'll, I'll link it below. There was a, a press interview he did when this film came out. There's an article where you can read the questions and his response, but also included in the article is the audio, which is really fun to actually hear Michael Bay responding. And uh, especially just you should listen to it and find the moment where he responds to someone's question about 9-11. Uh, some lady asked him if he ever, you know, thought about 9-11 when he was making this movie. And his response got a chuckle out of me. Um, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. That, that, that I, and I was kind of excited about this to be a defender of Michael Bay, like I said at the top of this episode. A lot of the complaints that people give like, oh, we focus too much on the robots. We focus, or not enough on the robots and too much on the humans. Uh, that was really Steven Spielberg's idea. Michael Bay was like, I want this robot. I want this robot. I want this transformer. And it was like really in on the transformers. And, and Steven Spielberg was like, no, we're going to focus on a boy buying his first car and kind of becoming a man. And the theme of no sacrifice, no victory. And 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 it's interesting that like part of me wants to like use that as like a defense for Michael Bay. And be like, see, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> but this is the movie that works because it did it in a way that works. Like, yeah, we could have gotten more Transformers. I'm not denying that. I wish we focused more on the Transformers as characters. But for this film, especially bringing Transformers to the world for the first time, it does the re- it balances it with reality pretty well. And you can tell that, that Michael Bay being the wannabe Spielberg that he is just kind of like took that idea that Spielberg had from this one and just went with it way too much. Uh, in the rest. So anyway, Rob, I've been talking up a storm, so I'll let you say something.
2: I just kind of want to jump in on the concept of how much time is spent focusing on the people compared to the, uh, transforms themselves. When you think of, I mean, I largely, I think the human stories are pretty compelling and pretty good. Um, there's some really terrible dialogue and some terrible scenes and cringy scenes, but, um, you know, I think you kind of gloss over them a little bit because they're well executed by the actors that are involved. Um, Among the Transformers, who's got the most development of any of them? Like, who do you really feel like you know the most about? Uh, I mean, none. I mean, if you really had, if you forced me to choose, I'd say Optimus. But that's just because he probably gets the most screen time. Um, Matt, what do you think? Uh, To be honest, I think going across all of these movies,
1: I really do think the person that gets the most actual development I really think is especially screen time. Cause given how much Optimus isn't in some of these movies, um, I think it's Bumblebee yeah. um, it, yeah, it's across m-
2: the whole series, but it, in this movie in particular, maybe it's Optimus and that's mostly just because we get Peter Cullen reprising, you know, his role and yeah, is yeah. like awesome at mm-hmm. it and has a voice designed to be Optimus prime. Like that's, that's what he was put on this planet to do. His voice, <laughs> Optimus Prime. Yeah, like, that's his purpose. Like, um, I think a lot of the other stuff. You know, it's funny. We just got done watching the animated Transformers film, where we we talked about how watching that movie kind of relies on you having seen the first two seasons of the of the animated show. I think you kind of have to have a lot of. I think you have to have some prior knowledge of Transformers to really get some of their interaction and how. You know, Starscream and Megatron have this back and forth thing. And like, you really have to know some of that and and some of the battles between Megatron and Optimus Prime to really get anything out of that. And that Optimus always does the right thing. And he's super noble. And, you know, if you don't already know a lot of that stuff coming in, if you don't have preconceived notions, um, the the Transformers themselves are really not particularly well fleshed out.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, can I just say, too, that I, th- I think in this movie, compared to the other ones with the human characters, they actually still feel pretty human in this movie, Um, even though the dialogue is bad. I do still think they work. They're not always characters. They're not super over the top. Um. You know, this movie is a little bit, again, more restrained with Sam before he yells Optimus for every single thing or Bumblebee Um, in every other movie. It's just him screaming people's names. Um, And I think this movie actually has humor compared to the other ones, like humor that works. Even his parents are a little bit more contained in this movie than the other ones where they just kind of become over the top it's funny when he's making fun of the jock, like, oh, well, it's got pop-up pictures and coloring points. (laughs) Like you'd love it. Like that actually feels like that feels real. Like this is a kid that's kind of like, all right, I'm just like, I know I'm not going to beat you up. So I'm just going to kind of make you look stupid, which you like, which you are. Um, uh, So I think like it, that's why it actually works in this movie and these human characters. I don't mind that they do take, you know, a little bit more of the, 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 the front than the, than the background in this movie, because they actually feel real humor works. Like I think Bernie Mac's character, you know, in this, it, where he's at the car dealership, oh, I awesome. thought, you know, I thought he was really funny. So uh, again, it's almost like this was before, like they just gave complete control to Michael Bay. And maybe there was a little bit more input on, Hey, this works. This doesn't. Let's tone this back a little bit. So uh, that's one of the other things that, again, I like about this movie is just it. Again, out of all of these, it is the most coherent one to me by uh, by a mile. Um, It's also before he decided that, like, all of his movies, for some reason, have to have like 45, almost 45 minutes of just. Filler scenes. I, I the biggest yeah. problem with these Transformers movies, I think. And, and again, they wouldn't. Some of these would not be great movies. You cut thirty minutes out of some of these later installments, and they're a much more streamlined, coherent experience where you're not just dragging time for the sake of like Michael Bay to get in. I I hate to use this phrase, but like his glory shots of like things exploding for no reason or just random scenes. So, th- this runtime's a little bit more condensed. Yeah, it, it definitely oh. just it feels more contained. Things feel more believable. Even the relationship between Michaela is that is that her name in this movie? Is yes, it is, in the okay. series? Yeah. Um. Even the relationship between Sam and Mika- like it actually feels real. Like oh, yeah, it, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it feels like okay, like. I could actually probably see these two getting together in this situation. And then, like, it's completely kind of abandoned in the second one for just a stupid storyline as to why they would, like, supposedly be breaking up. And then obviously we know that because of comments of calling Michael Bay a Nazi, she was not (laughs) Megan Fox was not welcome back for the third movie. Um, But like. Yeah, yeah, she literally called him a Nazi in an interview, and I guess Steven Spielberg, like, flipped his lid over it and said he didn't want her in the movie. Um, but their relationship in the first one feels real. Like, I actually enjoy them together. Um, yeah, so. A yeah, lot I, of
2: the I, scenes with the two of them in it are really well done. Um, and I and I point specifically to both of their performances in this, um, because if you look at the... So I, I also love the scene where he's talking about the mazes and the coloring sections with the, you know, your stereotype. I, I hate stock characters. Like I hate characters that you just already know who they are and how they are. Like there's no nuance to them. So the, the typical douchey jock with the Hummer, like I hated that guy as soon <laughs> as I hummer. saw him. That, yeah. that guy go watch other Michael Bay movies
1: and look up his IMD, like look up his credits. He plays that exact character in Every single movie. He plays the ex- uh. he plays the exact character in Michael Bay's production of the Friday the 13th remake down to the car. Everything.
2: Like that. I need to look up this guy's name because I'd love to know the guy that introduces himself at parties as Michael Bay's personal on-screen douchebag. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like that's it's probably how Michael Bay has him saved in his contacts. Like my personal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a business card that says Michael Bay's personal on-screen douchebag. Yeah. When you need a douche, I'm your guy. Um, so. <laughs> that's his role. Um, so immediately after that scene, though, they've got the scene where they're in the car and the dialogue is beyond terrible. I mean, it's so dreadful. But you kind of don't realize how bad it is because the two of them deliver it so well. I mean, yes. I mean Shia LaBeouf is actually really good in this movie like i'd kind of forgotten that he was excellent in this movie Mm -hmm. and megan fox for her first you know major studio role she was really really believable i i bought into everything i bought into that budding relationship i bought into just everything shia labeouf did really captivated me this time through so you know even scenes where the dialogue is garbage um they still managed to make it work and and I can't help, I, I mean, I'm such a dork. I relate everything to Star Wars. Like, I think back to, you know, so many of the terrible scenes between Padme and Anakin in the second, you know, uh, prequel movie and how terrible that dialogue was and how wooden they came across. It's like, oh, so it is possible to actually make a terribly written scene work well. And these two showed it. Well, yeah, it just yeah. goes to show you what you can garner off of what
1: you feel is on on-screen chemistry. Um, right. Because it, it feels like they have it. They certainly were a couple during, they, they started to become an actual couple during this filming. Um, and I think it's believable too. Like, not for nothing. It, he's still supposed to be a kid in high school in this movie. And the way that he's brought up and has no friends, like, not for nothing. If I was a kid in high school, and that girl paid attention to me, I'd probably bumble all over my words as well. Yes. Like, that scene where he's
0: like super awkward and he like flexes that, I mean, I find that hilarious. Yeah. But, I, uh, yeah. Because absolutely. I would do that. I would do something that stupid. And, and, and again, in the interview with Michael Bay, he was talking about how much he'd let, and, and the reason he loved Shia and the reason he cast him is because he really liked his improbability and his ability to like bring out that youth. Um, which he does really well. Like he doesn't look young, but he acts really young. He acts like a high schooler who just bought his first car and is just getting a girl to notice him for the first time. And and still doesn't know how to talk to his parents about whatever. You know, and 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 mm-hmm. it works. And and also I was surprised by Megan Fox as well. That I their two performances really give this film a lot of it uh its sincerity, I would say. I and I also you say what you will, Megan Fox is completely objectified like there's no getting around that kind of a bummer but she's for a female character in a blockbuster action movie in 2007 she is given so much to do she's not a damsel in distress she does more than 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 sam shy's character does like genuinely she has more impact on the plot points than sam does like sam he just runs around carrying a cue. um and, and she's an agent unto herself and the fact that they don't kiss During the action scene that she just comes up and says, I'm glad I got in that car with you. Like that's something that I would say to someone in that, that, that's a, you know, maybe not those exact words, but that type of Mm -hmm. comment is a realistic type of comment and, and not like, Oh, I love you so much. Let's just make out with each other for five minutes when there's a little (laughs) battle going on Mm -hmm. around us. Like, they avoided uh,
2: the cliche, which I really appreciate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So, so while there, the, the, this surprised me. How there's a lot of things about that relationship that gets so much wrong later, and and almost we make fun of for being
1: so bad. Actually, isn't so bad the first time. I no, I you're a hundred percent right when you sit there and said earlier, like, oh, if people would just think, because again, we, I mean, we talked about how this is 15 years now since this movie came out, right. And what we've had is, you know, Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction, and The Last Night. All after that. It's really hard, unless you've seen this, to probably think about this movie when you think about Transformers. Because what do you probably think about? You think about Revenge of the Fallen and how mainstream people thought this is a huge letdown from the first Transformers. And you probably think about Last Night, which was. A, a compared to box office numbers was an absolute disaster and the lowest rated transformers movie in the franchise those are your two anchoring points probably when you think about this five movie series is those two movies so when you have all of this time that's gone by it's very hard to sit there and go yeah but remember the first transformers movie when like a lot of this stuff worked like like even the little tiny things that probably shouldn't like work again, I laughed and just found the dialogue believable when he flips over his bike and she's like, wow, Sam, that was really awesome. He's like, yeah, it felt awesome. I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know. In any other movie, like if that would have happened in revenge of the fallen, I would have been like, you freaking idiot. Like, <laughs> but for some reason it, I feel like it works in here. Definitely. Um Even, um, uh, what's his name? Uh Agent uh Simmons. Even his quirkiness and over the top still works in this movie. Now I think he's way over the top in the other movies that he's right. in, and he's not funny in those. But even here, I was like, Yeah, even like, yeah, you work. Like this movie just feels simple. And I, I hate to say it like that, but I don't know a better way to say like it just feels simple compared to everything else
0: yeah yeah and and even like the two military characters um josh and then tyrese gibson like like the two of them there's a lot of that that doesn't work and a lot of that that gets a lot of things wrong but there's a lot of that that really works we're like these are two guys who are just in the military and they're just devoted to defending country uh Mm -hmm. and, and and fighting the battles that need to be fought like that's a legitimate thing and and um you know, say what you will about Michael Bay's obsession with the military. He does talk about being around these servicemen and women and being so impressed that there's a sense of duty and that this is something that I thought was genius. So he obviously, say what you will about him being so proud of it, he does get a lot of connections with the military. He gets to use things before anybody else. The military involves with him more than anybody else. Like, they really like working with him and for good reason. And and his connection at the White House um, said that if there were alien robots that land on earth the u.s military would be involved that's legit we would be and this is what we would do and that's what they put in this movie and and michael bay said hey this is a scenario this is what's happening you do what you're gonna do and i'm just gonna film you and he didn't interrupt and and i i think that that's another the reason that it works um so well and and just while we're on bench points i find this interesting i don't love rotten tomatoes but it's a good sense of judge uh the the tomato Mm -hmm. meter for this film is higher than both pirates of the Caribbean two. And Pirates of the Caribbean Three, um, it's fifteen percent higher than Pirates of the Caribbean Three, and and we talked about how much we enjoy that. Also, how it had the flaws, but but like I think people forget how the, the parts of this one that works. I mean, it's only at fifty eight percent. That's not a hundred. There's obviously things about it that don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely things that do work about it. So,
1: Rob, I will say too, I I agree with your statement that you made earlier. How is Duvall not like, how is he not a bigger star? Because he's good in this movie. And for your, t- especially during that time frame, your typical Hollywood person, like he's, he's handsome. He's in shape. Like, how is this guy not in more stuff? Yes.
2: You know, it's funny. So I knew him from, there was a show on NBC for a while called uh, Las Vegas, where it kind of focused on the, the workings of a, of a imaginary casino and he was um part of the security team and I was like really really into it for a while and really enjoyed it. So like when I found out he was in this um I was like really excited and then it just like it hasn't really done a ton. I think he's been in some rom coms, like but outside of that, like you don't really see him in a lot of stuff that you really go, oh yeah that was like a major movie or like you know you, like he's the first name on the poster. Like there's not a lot of that and I've just always been kind of like mystified about that.
0: I was watching a Transformers movie one time, not one of them, because he's in most of them. And um, my wife was like, hey, that's the guy from Safe Haven, which is her favorite romantic movie ever. And I was like, what? This is (laughs) like it is, but that's the same guy. Like, yeah, his roles are interesting. He, I think he frankly deserves a lot more.
1: He did do Hitman. So he he wasn't that. That that was not good, but
0: <laughs> um. Well, some other bench points, just to kind of completely change gears here, that I, I have to mention. One thing that I I will I will live on this hill because I don't want to die. I will live on this hill <laughs> um, as a defender of Michael Bay, which is title I'm going to take very seriously over the next five episodes. Nobody knows how to do visual effects like Michael Bay, both practical. And digital. His visual effect talent is next level. If you think about the complexity, especially that sh- slow mo shot—I forget the name of the transformer, but the one that's that black GMC truck, the weapons expert um for the Autobots—I'm forgetting not, his name right now.
1: Not Ratchet, Ironhide. Right. Ironhide yeah, not,
0: Ironhide. <laughs> thank you. I couldn't remember when Ironhide is fighting. I think it's Starscream, and he like jumps, and then he like shoots his cannons at the ground, and like goes over that woman, and we get that a tracking shot rotating around the women and he's going over, or the woman and he's going over her. You, you think about the work that goes into that of tr- of changing from a truck, like a physical truck, to partially digital. Filming that, I mean, that's a slow-mo move. So that's a quick moving camera. And then to have the shadow go over her perfectly in sync with the robot going over that's it, a legit shadow. That's not a digital shadow. That's a real shadow. And then to have real explosions going off to match and, and to create rubble and then to compose all that digitally it it, it just takes a, such a high level of planning and and composition and, and and actually achieving it practically on set you know the um i forget is bone crusher and optimus prime fighting on the freeway that bus exploding so much of that is practical and so much of it is digital. and the marrying of that is unlike anything that a lot of other filmmakers achieve before this episode started we were complaining about the visual effects in Thor Ragnarok, or not Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder. No spoilers for that, but at one point, one of the superheroes wears a helmet that is CGI, and I could not look at that character on screen. I had to look at somebody else because it was taking me out of the movie so badly. It is horrible. And and you look at that, and then you see what Michael Bay did 15 years ago. And it is, to me, I think it's his greatest ability to have that imagination, and to put them together and say, this is what we're going to do on set so that we can do this digitally and have them married so well.
2: The early action scenes in this movie where the Decepticons first attack are fantastic. I mean, I think that's uh, realizing how well those were done kind of set the tone for me and kind of, I guess, maybe changed my opinion a bit on on how I regard this film. But you think about that attack in the desert. I mean... The slow motion shots on that, where the uh, scorpion style Decepticon is like burrowing in the ground, and the guys are running away. I mean, I can vividly remember that shot from the trailer. Going, oh wow, you know, mm-hmm. and and even still seeing it every time I see it, I, I'm just like, that's that's a shot. Like that is a heck of a shot.
1: And what's it is crazy because rewatching it, it still holds up very well today, and he has so much confidence again say what you will about michael bay he he has so much confidence in what he does that like he does not try to have the camera linger away from any of those shots or hide anything like when optimus meets sam um i i mean i'm gonna pose a question really quick Did you guys still get goosebumps when he first transforms and says, "My name is Optimus Prime"? Like, I still got goosebumps during that scene when he starts talking to Sam. Like,
2: watching Optimus Prime transform for the first time is magical. Oh my god! And
1: and that music—that music is playing in that lot where all the Autobots are coming. Like, and you get the rotating shot of all of them transforming. That's that is epic. Yeah, it's so good. But, like, what he does there is he does not shy away from those transformations. Like, when Optimus transforms, that camera goes right in. It gets in on the moving gears, the tires. And it's like, how the hell does this look this good that was made 15 years ago? And then to seeing things and being like, I, I just, it, it is wild how well it looks. And then it, even later on like when you get to transformers age of extinction like optimus looks even better like his design and the way he transforms like it got really really good over time but again i just i have a really good appreciation for how well these transformations are handled say what you will about how sometimes it's hard to tell what's going on with the fight scenes when they transform their tra- their transformations are incredible.
0: Yeah. And 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 it, both like the digital parts of it, but also the practical effects. There's there's just so much that is impressive. Just one more other thing about Michael Bay's use of practical effects. Um there's a film of his that you should check out if you if you like him. It's his newest film that came out, Ambulance. Um, for those of you who don't know, it has an FPV drone. If you don't know, the FPV drone is that little drone, first person view where they're flying with the goggles on, and you can get crazy shots. Just Google FPV drone and you will see. You can do really, really cool stuff with it. The the movie Ambulance has a lot of super intense, multi-car chase scenes with explosions all filmed on FPV drone. And it is some of the coolest sequences I've ever seen. And the amount of work to think what went into all that, to have the perfect timing of a car going off a jump with explosions happening and cars crashing and a drone flying under it, it's ridiculous. It is a true talent that Michael Bay has to use that stuff on set and to combine it so well with digitally. Speaking of digitally, though, I find this crazy. So the number of polygons are like the individual pieces that make up the Transformers. Um, one of the VFX artists um, at Industrial Light and Magic said that if you took all those polygons and put them end to end, they could make it to the moon and back and still have enough left over to build a Romum Colosseum twice. That's <laughs> how many... Polygons they had. Um, I think one character had over like ten thousand individual pieces that were animated. Uh, it is just, and, and and I will talk about how they failed that later in the other series. They really followed a lot of rules that that, and that you would follow in animation that make the Transformers feel real, like that scene when when I think it's Starscream or maybe it's Optimus they're not optimus uh i think it's starstream not megatron starstream Sh- like jumps up into the air and then transforms and then takes off and like the little delay where he's like in the air transforming before he takes off is one of the coolest scenes ever um or any time that you get megatron flying around and then landing they've really did i mean character wise the transformers are really lacking look wise i think that this film got it a lot of it right particularly giving the autobots such color there wasn't ever a moment where I couldn't tell this is an Autobot or this is a Decepticon. I always knew. The later films, that is not the case. Um, you know, I may not necessarily know what's happening in the fight, but I know, you know, this is a good guy, this is a bad guy. I, I, they, I think that they did the design of the Autobots and the uh, Decepticons, all the Transformers, extremely well in this film. And, and that, like I said, that is what ignited my love for Transformers as a kid was that scene, two scenes in particular, when, uh, I forget, is it Black Hawk, the helicopter? um the transforms at the beginning mm-hmm. and like my brain exploded as a kid when i saw it and like the shockwave goes out and breaks all the glass like i i just could not handle it the way that the rotors fold behind in like a little cape shape like it it melted my brain uh and then that scene when optimus transformed like rob mentioned like that that, that is something that just captures captured me that i probably can't let go of and that's maybe why i'm trying to defend this movie so much <laughs>
2: Well, just think about how simple the animations were from the source material or even the actual toys themselves. I mean, it's a couple of blocks, a couple of, you know, rectangles, uh, maybe, a you know, a few rounded things kind of flip and move what they gave us. with this um, the whole thing moves like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of moving parts and you see all of it and they take their time to show you all of it. I mean, think how much time and money they could have saved by doing a simpler animation. And we probably still would have been totally cool with it. Like it would have been, that's fine, whatever. It's what we're used to, but they went the extra mile and gave you those gorgeous, slow animations of the transformations that um, I, I would say are iconic at this point to this film.
0: Yeah, they they really really got it right. And and one of the rules that they f- had to for all the Transformers is they didn't that that m- like mass could not increase, that you couldn't stretch. So that anything was going to be there when they were a robot had to be there when they were a a car. But it's particularly for the first 3 films they did that really well. Uh in this one they kind of hit it like, "Oh, we can hide this piece just it just is in the car magically." Um, but later in the second and third, they like, this has to be a place that, a, an object that has a legitimate place in this thing as a car or up as a plane. And that will reveal itself when it transforms, which is just to think about the work that went into that. The, these visual effects artists, they really just absolutely destroyed any, any idea that we could have given. The, the, it's amazing. And the other thing to me is just, I want I want to guess. Okay. So, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder budget on that two hundred fifty million. Pirates of the Caribbean, depending on which one, ranges from two hundred million to three hundred million. I'm curious what you think the budget for this film is.
1: Back then, I'm
0: well. The pirates movies were made at the same time as this. In fact, two of them were made before, and then three after. So, and those were from two to three hundred.
1: Yeah, I, I'm guessing that this was one fifty. I feel like this was one of the lower ones for Transformers when it first came out.
2: 151. <laughs> it's, it's like it's Price a, is Right.
0: <laughs> it's 150, um, which is oh. crazy to me. That, that, um, I mean, $150 million, that's a ton. But, but you look at this movie, this looks like a $300 million movie, not a $150 million movie. And, and again, whether you want to credit Michael Bay, the visual effects team, whoever, they did a fantastic job, I would say, visually with this
1: film. So I, th- this is not a binge point, but I'm I, I find this like really kind of weird, and I, I don't know. But um, so you know how everybody says like, oh, Michael Bay, he ch- like shot Megan Fox objectively and like everything in between. Like he he gets a really bad rap for that. Right. Like this is the same guy that denied a topless scene with Scarlett Johansson in the movie The Island. Like, well, okay, it, it's kind of weird because, like, she said she wanted to do that, and he was like, nah, no. And then, like, you get this movie, and it's like, um,
2: well, what are you doing? And isn't she so? Aren't they supposed to actually be in 11th grade when this takes place? Like, they're definitely in high school, and I'm fairly certain it's 11th grade, yeah, and it is, yeah, 11th grade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that always struck me as creepy, particularly when John Turturro's character is looking at it and it's like, oh, you're a criminal. (laughs) 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 Every time I'm like, oh, that's That's the worst line. ever." Oh, God, it's the worst line in this movie. It's so cringy. Like, I can't. uh, It's it's terrible. It's It's inexcusable. It's like
1: literally everybody like it's like everybody literally forgot that she was playing a character in the
2: movie and were just like speaking their mind. It's like, listen, we get it. She's twenty-seven, trying to pretend to be a seventeen-year-old. That's how high school characters in movies and TV work. They're all like thirty-five, right? You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just like it's weird though
1: how and she also she, so Michael Bay first put her in a movie in Bad voice, Two. I did not know that. Yeah, he he gave her her career. Like I'm just, yeah, but it's also really weird. Like when you go and do this so she was in Bad Boys 2 and she's in the beginning of the movie and it went from Michael Bay wanted her at the bar with a drink and they were like, she can't she's 15 years old she can't be at the bar okay, do you know what his solution was? she's in a bikini dancing on the bar underneath rain Uh, even better (laughs) yeah, <laughs> like that. Uh. That was that was his solution to keeping her in Bad Boys Two. Was oh, okay, so she can't have a drink, but I'll have her dance on the bar in a bikini.
2: Ugh. Like, yeah, yeah. I need okay. mental Purell. Mm-hmm. I need to just get some Purell and just scrub that knowledge from my brain. Yeah. So, <laughs> but.
0: Okay, well, with that note, are there any other binge points? Um, I had one more that I'm trying to remember here. Um, I will say that, that, that Michael Bay has no idea how to use a light motif in music, but Steve Jablonski knows how to make an epic score, and I love the score in his film. I, I think
1: it's, it's great. The score and the soundtrack totally slap. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that music for them rolling up, Uh, no pun intended, Um, is is really, really good. I I really like that score a lot. Um, I I think it's really well done, but I I don't know if this would this wouldn't be a binge point, but it also wouldn't be in and like. So do you mind if I pose a question, Harrison? Go for it. So. I actually really like it. I watched, you know, I watched it again and I like this plot point. I know he's not in the movie long. And that was one of the major complaints when this first came out. I do really like though how Megatron and it gets so stupid in the other movies, like why he was coming to earth and everything. But like, I really like how Megatron wound up on earth, why he was frozen. Like, I actually really like that. Now, did I not want him to show up until like, I think it's, an hour and fifty-five minutes into the movie, I probably would have liked to see him more. I I really did like that story with Megatron. I thought that was really well. Um, I thought that was well done, and it made sense why he was trapped in the ice and that they found him. Um, but I know it was a big complaint when the movie first came out.
0: Yeah, I mean, and especially the way to get all the characters connected, where the story, you know, brings Sam Witwicky in and all that, like. A lot of that makes sense and and to me is a good decision. Um, But you definitely should have brought uh, Megatron in earlier. I forgot his name for half a second. (laughs) Um, The other thing, you just made me think of this, that, that they built that set where Megatron was frozen. They built this huge set with a lot of, not all of, but a lot of Megatron built practically. And Shia LaBeouf was so impressed with it that on days where he wasn't, shooting he would take his friends to go see that set when they weren't filming there because he thought it was so cool which is just man i can't believe what what a strange movie to have so much devoted to it like the amount of work that went into this and it's a transformers movie like i love the transformers it's just kind of weird to me um but yeah any any other bench points at all
2: um minor complaint so one of my least favorite tropes in all of movies is people who are good with computers and they can just like click four buttons and did it I'm in, Mm -hmm. I hate that. Um, we have that in this and, and I just hate that there's like all of these super smart people who look at nothing but analysis and signals and they've got an entire Pentagon with the best and brightest that we have to offer. And then there's like one girl who pushes her glasses up a little bit higher on her nose and explains to all of them what they're missing. Like, I don't know. That that to me was kind of a, a little bit weak. And I always love in movies when all of the communications goes down, everybody knows Morse code. Literally, everybody <laughs> in <laughs> movies equipment ready for it. Not only, yes, they they know Morse code, they know how to transmit it. And not only that, the person on the other end knows to fit set their gear up to receive it and then translate it like everybody knows more just like in star wars how everybody knows how to weld everybody in movies knows morse code and it's always like i don't know i think there's so many other things they could have done but i i I just it's distracting to me sometimes and i kind of hate that
0: oh yeah i i Mm -hmm. will say that i i do not understand why the person that figures out the code the analysis has to be like a new intern or whatever you call it like it could have just literally been anyone in the Pentagon and that would have worked. Like, like,
2: Yeah, your senior analyst that like does this and has multiple degrees from MIT, Like that guy didn't figure it out? Like, no, nah, yeah. it's this 19-year-old we dragged off the street and her buddy that plays Dance Dance Revolution in his bedroom <laughs> with his cousin. I will say, though,
1: that I did love the scene where he eats the donuts and then breaks down. Oh, yeah. That's I, so I, funny. Oh, that's fun. He's I, uh, hilarious. The entire <laughs> movie, he's funny. Yeah. I ate the whole plate. <laughs> Yeah,
0: the way he drops it, like that little mannerism. I mean, it. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. uh, Okay. So uh, other bench points that I have that are just negative that I think is is that I think John Turturro's character just rubs me the wrong way sometimes. He's funny, but there's just so much that happens with him that's just like this is dumb. And and it's not necessarily where I can like point to and you know this thing about it is dumb. It's just like the whole idea is dumb. And and it, it I. I don't know why it. Uh, he's funny, and I'm glad he's in the movie. And he goes nuts later, but and here I think he like his character has good humor and a good balance. But just the idea of this character being a part of the story feels very weird to me.
1: I don't I, know why. I forgive it because I still think about how he is in the next movies and. To me, That's he's, true. <laughs> he's he's so annoying in the other movies that, again, like th- this just seems reserved to me.
2: And it's kind of funny because he's a little bit all over the place, too. He apologizes to Sam and says, I think we kind of got off on the wrong foot. And then in the next scene where they're together, they're right back to being adversarial again. Um, so it just really it's uneven. It doesn't work for me. Um, I, honestly, I think. One of my biggest single complaints about this movie, and I think it's probably one of the s- largest insults to an audience that I can think of, is the end of the movie, they try to convince you that they're covering up the existence of the Transformers altogether. Oh, like, my we're going to drop them in the bottom of the ocean so that nobody will know. And like the Witwicky family is like pretending it wasn't giant robots that were attacking. And it's just like, all right, I know I went off on how much of a betrayal to the audience. The whole Ralph Boner thing wasn't WandaVision. Like I still hate that. Like that's literally my least favorite decision Marvel's ever made. Um, This is way worse, like way worse. Like not only throughout the movie, have there been robots punching each other in the streets? But there's an entire city that was ground zero of a battle where they were thrashing skyscrapers, like literally thrashing them. And you're going to try to pretend that they didn't exist. Uh, uh, What?
1: There's the deleted scene where this is in the same universe as Men in Black. So,
2: like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm like uh, this. There's no way like this is such an unconscionable. Insult to the audience that oh, yeah. you're going to expect us to believe that nobody in this nobody universe saw this, saw this
1: or and, remembers and, and, it, right? And nobody's going to talk. And it's even made like it's even made more ridiculous when we talk about the second movie. Yeah, it just gets worse. I'm sorry.
0: I I will it's, defend these movies and try and win over Rob, but it gets worse. It it is it's so bad,
2: beyond terrible. With this decision,
0: the other thing that I just really gets to me about this movie that I can't be, help but be bothered by is how quickly the Autobots are injured or hurt compared to the Decepticons. Like, the perception of damage on the auto, on the Transformers in general is just really hard. You know, is, is this a fatal blow? Is this not? How is this person not dead? They just got shot by a plasma ball. It, 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 there's no consistency, but it always seems like the Autobots are getting hurt more and you know, like one scene, Optimus Prime takes out Bone Crusher like it's nobody's business, but then um, Ratchet and um, Ironhide they can't handle Starscream for three seconds, and mm-hmm. and, it, and th- that inconsistency just really sometimes bothers me in in the otherwise fantastic action scenes where I'm like, this is visually so impressive, and i I'm, the, the child in me is really enjoying the nonsense chaotic nature of this because this really feels like playtime with toys again, um, but the you know it's always like we got to injure our good guys to make it a little more intense
1: one other thing like this is going this is going to be like this is my biggest pet peeve with the movie is when it comes to the cube you know they say that they built the the dam around it so that people can't pick up on it and you know everything in between then there's no it, there's no way that Sam should be able to carry that cube around like by the second movie it's like you should be seeing him in a hospital and being like, yeah, you have like cancer because of touching this radioactive cube." Like, and I know, like I'm not uh, uh, sorry listeners. If anybody is offended by that comment, I'm really sorry. Cause I'm not making a joke about cancer, but like, it, this movie takes itself so seriously that like, you cannot tell me he should be able to touch
2: that cube and be carrying that thing around. Like or just, he should have cancer of the chromosomes at that point.
0: Yeah. Just, or like, just like weight of it in general. Like that thing was huge. And in Transformers, he just, he just carries right. it around one handed.
1: And, and you know, like so that, and then just that Rob, you and I had talked about this completely separately, but the MacGuffin of, Oh, if I can't beat Megatron, shove the cube into my chest and kill myself. It, what the heck? Like, wait a minute. Come on. Wait a minute. Yeah, why did not they just
2: like run that to the other room before Megatron unthawed? Like, Ooh. just run into the other room and say, here, stick it in here. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Well, like, credits. Cue Lincoln Park. Let's get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and why is Optimus' big plan, like, I will die instead of, like, use it to kill Megatron? Like, obviously Sam was thinking, but I mean, right. it's like they really had to lean into the no sacrifice, no victory Theme, which again, there's very much like childhood nature to this whole thing that I'm totally on vibes with, where it's like you're just a kid and it's the bad guy versus the good guy, and the good guy has to make some ultimate sacrifice or they're gonna lose. You know, like that. <laughs> that feels like very much playtime with toys, but it it just is dumb to to be like, this is supposed to be the leader of the Autobots. This is this is right. Optimus Prime, and his plan is to die.
1: Well, also too of the fact of like oh shove the cube into my chest and i'll die well megastron's still alive then and he's probably gonna wipe them all out so wouldn't like wouldn't your thought be to like we need to shove the cube into megatron's chest if this isn't going well because then like at least the leader of the decepticons won't be around like humans should be safe because we'll be able to take care of the rest of them
0: yeah you think that megatron's just gonna be like oh yeah no more all spark i guess i'll just go back to to um
1: what, what is the yeah. name? Well, he knew that we What's gonna the name of the
0: planet? Uh,
2: Cybertron.
0: Cybertron. Thank you. I could not remember. Yeah, I'll just go back to Cybertron. Even though at the end of the movie, Optimus Prime says, "Now with Allspark gone, we cannot restore life to our
1: home world, or something like that." It's like you thought yeah. he was
0: just going to pack up and leave. Like, mm. well, they, they all
1: forgot a I'll see you later. <laughs> they all forgot. There's four other MacGuffins that could bring Cybertron back. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Unicron
1: eventually. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, we're kind of getting into it, so let's just, just move on to least and likes and, and narrow down our specific least favorite scene or element about this film. Um, mine is, is what I said earlier, that it just... Actually, I'm going to change it. My least favorite scene is just the entire scene with Sector 7 or whatever its name is mm-hmm. taking... Um, Sam and Michaela and arresting them and then getting unarrested, but then getting re-arrested and then Bumblebee's captured. Like, there's just a lot of that that's just like, what the heck? Like, one capture would have been sufficient. Like, like why have have that scene where they get away just to have them not get away? I I, I don't know. There's a lot of it that's just... And John Duterte's character interacting with Megan Fox, which we talked about earlier. There's just a lot about it that's very cringe to me. Um
1: yeah, that's my least favorite scene. Um, Matt, I'll let you go next. Um, yeah, I I mean my least favorite scene that that kind of spell is pretty. Um, I don't want to say boring because there's some things that happen in there, but it definitely feels it, it. It's the breadcrumbs of what I feel we would see later on, where there's just scenes for the sake of having scenes in this movie, where you could have cut that out and you'd still be fine um so i definitely did not enjoy that um i also for for what it's worth i do feel like some of the ending it's i'll say it's an honorable mention with with quotes some of that final battle with megatron and again this is more of what happens in later movies I didn't really like because of how it just cuts in and out and like the main people all of a sudden disappear for some weird amount of time like where the heck did you go? Like Megatron is like caught off guard by some bodega that he sees and he's like, "Whoa, let me go check this out." Like cheap watches or whatever the hell's going on because he's battling and then he just he disappears.
0: Yeah. There, so. There's not a lot of consistency in that final fight in general. Like, Star Scream is here, and then he's gone, and then he's here, and then he's gone. You know, it's like, what? Where do they go? It's very,
2: very plot So, Rob? Least favorite scene for me, um, the whole bit where they go, where Sam goes back to his house to look for the glasses. Um, oh. For giant robots, man, they sure move quiet. Like, remember how much we hated the Ninja T-Rexes from the Jurassic series? Like, That T-Rex just like it makes all kinds of ripples in the water in the first movie. And then anytime the plot needs the T-Rex to scare them, this thing the size of a house can move (laughs) with like light as a feather. Um, Apparently, Autobots can do that, too, because they don't, you know, wake up anybody with their their movement and just the whole like, hey, give me five minutes. And they can't give them five minutes like that whole thing was just awful. And then the interactions with um, the parents who talk about cringy that whole scene is just like i i um so i mentioned that i was watching this with my son i did fast forward through some of the really adult stuff there don't worry audience i didn't subject my son to stuff that i would then have to explain later he's only nine i got through all the adult stuff without him in the room um (laughs) but it's and it really made me think like this seems terrible why is this even here Like, I hate this scene. I think you could have written around this so much easier. And it's just dumb. It's played. It's supposed to be played for laughs, but it's just dumb.
1: I I was half expecting his dad to, like, hand him a condom. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, seriously. There's a lot. I I will say that there's a lot of it
0: where, like, the how can I say this right away? The writing choice completely disagree with. I think it's dumb but the character's performance is funny. Like I yes. wish that we could have got those performances with different writing. That's the yes. way I want to say it. Like, when you
2: like, look at what Shia LaBeouf does with what he or, has to work with, it's or his fantastic. Mom. They,
0: fantastic. They, are, they, they really perform it so well. And I just wish that we could have had different, like like when Michaela stands up and the mom says something and Shia's like, she can hear you, mom. And like his reaction, that's that's funny. His performance is really good. I just wish the writing was not so cringy in that because- moment. So, so unnecessary.
1: Yeah, because you probably know a mom that's like that, too, that would out loud be like, oh, she's really pretty. And it's like, "Yeah, th- like, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's a scene that I, I
0: just ugh, I go back and forth because I really like the performances in it. And I think that it could have been funny. And there, and so there's part of it that, like, I laugh because I want to enjoy it, but I just really don't like the writing. Um, Yeah. OK a contrary of that favorite scene we'll just go in reverse order so Rob Matt and then myself
2: so my favorite scene um there's there's a lot of little scenes that i like but probably my favorite scene is um when barricade and bumblebee have the chase um there's great music used throughout great writing great the way the action is written is really really good just the whole thing is a lot of fun um, it's well executed and, uh, it's one of those things like, you know, we talk about YouTubeable moments. Like if you were never going to watch this movie again, um, or, you know, you're not sure how many times you'd ever watch it. If there was a part you were going to watch again, that would be the part you would just start it right at the beginning of that. And, uh, and watch just that part. Um, I do want to throw just real quick, minor, uh, smaller bit, um, when they're in the desert and they're trying to make a phone call and it's a (laughs) payphone and they have to get the credit card. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Oh my God. I completely forgot about it. And I was dying laughing the whole time. Like it's such a small, just goofy odd scene. And he's like, which pocket left pocket in my butt. Like (laughs) that whole bit was just so clever and so funny. And I loved it. Um, In the middle of this battle, they're having this conversation. So uh, that's like a a honorable mention.
0: I, I will say, well, actually, Yeah, I'll say about that because that is an honorable mention that I was going to give as well. That is based on a real life experience that one of the soldiers, because they had legit soldiers uh, who were on leave to help them with the military scenes, he told Michael Bay the story that this had happened to him. And so Michael Bay put it in the movie because he thought it was funny Uh, because that scene is hilarious.
1: Yeah, I think, again, it just goes to show. I, I have to say, an anomaly this movie is compared to the franchise as it goes along that you know you think about maybe that scene in revenge of the fallen or dark of the moon or age of extinction or the last night it's probably not funny at all like it's it's probably really not funny but here it works but uh for me my, my favorite scene it it does have to be when all of the autobots come into the picture to meet sam and michaela Again, it's just the music, everybody transforming. Again, I literally, as I watched it, got goosebumps again and just like, like, welled up with emotion. Like, this is still so cool. It's such a great scene. The voice, you know, again, you talk about iconic voices. It's certainly Optimus Prime. Uh, That scene was really good. Um, Again, an honorable mention is that that first transformation scene where they get the military gets attacked. That's just really, really good. I, I enjoy that scene a lot. So.
0: Um, so my favorite scene, I'm actually going to do the one that I was going to do as an honorable mention that Rob included, but I'm going to include more of it. The entire fight they have with Scorpio, I think is the name of the transformer. I don't remember. Scorponok. Um, is this- yeah, that's what it is. Something like that. The scorpion one. um, where just that entire thing, them fighting it, the airstrike coming in and and you know I think a lot of it's pretty cool because they just said, "Hey, if we were to call an airstrike on someone, how would it happen? Can you do it?" And they did it, and they filmed it, and so that's why it looks good uh, on top of the humor that's happening and and the way that it's filmed and and the vi- practical effects combined with the digital effects like the 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 fluidity of the sand in that scene that the transformer's interacting with is really impressive, and so there's a lot of it that like If I wanted to show someone why this movie works as a Transformers movie, I would probably show them that scene and be like, hey, these are these of all the pieces that I like. This scene includes components of this film that I really like that are included in the whole film. And that would be a good uh, YouTube one to show other people.
1: I also think, too, what what works for me for that scene is the actors I do think actually play very well to the fact that, like, what the hell are we seeing? yes there's some elements of humor in there but when you go back and watch that scene i think there is some really good acting about like if you were all of a sudden face to face with this alien you know what you would call an alien species i I think they do a really good job before you know everybody could just take on a decepticon it didn't matter like you know all you needed was a bungee cord and to shoot it in the eyes and you could kill a decepticon um I thought they played that scene very well for these guys being in, like, distress and trying to just do their best to, to get out of this situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I know it's late for you guys, so we'll move quick through these last two segments. So, the, the next one that is just happening for these Transformers episodes is Transformers translation. So, what part of Transformers lore transfers over really, really well? What part doesn't transfer to this? And then I'll add a third question. Why do you think these movies are so successful? Because even the others that we will have complaints about, and they will get worse, have made so much money. And they kept making them because they made money. Like the, Similar question what we did during Fast and Furious. Like, why is this such a big franchise? Because, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sitting here defending it, and I still don't know the answer to that question. So any thoughts about any of those three questions?
2: You know, I think the beginning of this film, they actually set up whatever lore they're going to use. I think we have this great intro. Um, First of all, I love the whole opening, even just from the Paramount logo where they give you the transforming sound effect. Like just starting with that, like you're already appealing to me back in 1987, like five-year-old Rob is coming back to make a reappearance going, I love this. Uh, The whole sound effect, the beginning, the fonts, Optimus narrating he gives you enough of a backstory without having to show a ton of the backstory um, just to kind of get you started. I think that really was the appropriate amount. And I, I, but as far as the lore goes, I mean, there's, you know, there's the whole bit where Starscream and, and Megatron are getting into it because, you know, this is the last, you know, you, you failed me yet again, and that's supposed to mean something, but only if you really already know the lore, um, does that really make sense?
0: Yeah. I, and that's what I was going to say, is there's a lot of great Transformers lines that don't work in this, you know? And, and I think the delivery of them are really good. You know, Hugo Weaving, you film me yet again, Starscream. Like, that is a soundbite frozen in my head that is delivered really well. Doesn't really mean anything in the context of the film, but as someone who just likes Transformers, makes sense. Or, or the way that that Prime and uh, Megatron just yell each other's name, you know? And then the way that Bob James Prime says, Uh, it's just you and me. And then Megatron says, no, it's just me. Like, like, like those lines between the two of them. I think if I'm going to go in battle with my arch enemy, because of this, I'm going to yell their name and just their name. And I hope they yell mine back. And then we're going to have some Epic line. Like at the end of this one will rise and one will fall. And then he's going to be like, you know, have some comeback or whatever. Like that, that is, there's something about that. That is just, this really, really works. And, um, Again, it, it doesn't work because it does require an appreciation for Transformers. And I think a little bit of just like lore enjoyment, I would call it. Um, but the way that they delivered it does work for me because I do enjoy that. So.
1: Yeah, I think they just a quick sidebar and I'll move past that. They they did a good job in the other movies, kind of still making it intimidating. But going back um Very underrated Hugo Weaving's voice as Megatron, I think, as he did not come back to voice him again for any of the other movies. But he definitely has a different tone than movies two through five. Um, And although I like his stuff, it Hugo Weaving is is pretty darn good. So uh, I'll just put that there. But um, I I will say I kind of disagree a little bit. I do think that this movie gives you enough where you can just determine yourself that Megatron and Optimus, you know, and these two factions have been against each other. Um I I think they gave you enough where the casual person that came to see this movie can still get an idea of why these two would be fighting and like, oh, there's some definite personal history there and like would make you anticipate another movie to see like, oh, maybe we'll get, you know, maybe this these movies will give us more of that. Now, I certainly think that what they did in the other ones you know, I I don't want that. Um, but I think this movie does a good enough job of being like, OK, if you know Transformers, these things will hit a little bit harder. And if you don't know Transformers, I think they gave you enough where you could form your own opinion and still move on. So I think they did a little bit better job than what I'm what I'm interpreting you guys as saying. Um, so I think they did a good job there with that. Um. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. Now, the, some other
0: thing that I think does transfer well, um, is that they they left a lot of things open. That it's just you know we're not going to try and explain everything to you. That you're going to have you're not going to go through Transformers school. Um, now the later films completely ruin that. I get that, <laughs> but as as a standalone film, this one does a good job of just giving you enough and also leaving excitement for you know what else is going to happen. The other thing that I really like is that they just bring things from Transformers without a need to explain them. Like Scorpinox just jumps out of blackout. That little robot, I forget his name, the little mm-hmm. transformer, he just jumps out of um Barricade. You know, and like that's just Transformers. You know, there's a littler transformer in the big transformer, and they just jump out from time to time. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And we don't need to explain it to you and 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 and, and that is something that I like where it's like, hey, this is just what Transformers is. So here you go. We're not going to try and, you know, make sense of it all. It's just Transformers. You know, they're cars that transform. What do you want from us? We're just going to let them be the way they are. And I think that they, for the most part, and throughout the films as well, while they do totally mess up with like the consistency, and this is what I'll say for the whole series. You film the film, they don't do a good job of telling a connected story. They're not a good sequel. But they are a good. Just here's Transformers lore. Here's Transformers existing with Transformers lore being transformed. And, and when you try and connect them together, is when you have a problem. I would say.
1: Yeah, because they they really with these later movies. If you really like go back and think about what they said in the previous ones, they kind of just rewrite their history at constantly, well constantly, to, all the time to just serve their own narrative. But I think you know why these original movies were so like we're so successful in terms of of money is you go back and go to YouTube like right now and watch these trailers for all five movies and if you just tell your brain this is what I'm watching every one of those trailers would get you hype for the movie like Michael Bay did put together really good trailers to make you think okay well well, the second one's got to be great. All right. Nah, the third one, like, oh my God, they're going to do this in the third one? Cool. And then the fourth one was like, all right, you know what? They're going in a different direction. They're, you know, new designs. They're, you know, going to bring some stuff in from Transformers lore that we haven't seen. So that movie kind of picked back up and, and made some money. But, you know, by the fifth one, I think it was just like, yeah, you fooled me way too many times to like let you off the hook and just rush out and see it because um, obviously like I talked about the fifth one just did terrible at the box office. Like I don't even think it made if you guys remember this and you know, we talk about that more like it didn't top 100 million for its opening weekend, which was like shocking at uh, the time.
0: Let's see. I'm looking it up right now. Transformers last night 217 million. Oh, gosh. Two hundred seventeen million dollar budget, opening weekend domestically forty four million. Ooh, yeah, like that's bad. Oh, okay. Worldwide or, or domestically, and only made one hundred and thirty total. Didn't even make back its budget domestically. Worldwide, only made six hundred. <laughs> only made six hundred five dollars.
1: Right, <laughs> six hundred five dollars, six hundred five million. Uh, but you you think about that domestic number and go look at how much Revenge of the Fallen made domestically. Oh yeah. Like, it's insane. Yeah, I, I think
0: that you answered that question really well, Matt, about why these films continued to make money uh, and then eventually stopped. I, I don't, like, I feel very pleased with that answer, so thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, though, looking at Revenge of the Fallen here, um, yeah, that me- oh gosh, yeah, that made back $402 million domestically. Like, that almost made... Domestically, the same amount of money that um, the last night made internationally or 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 globally, I would say, Um, yeah. Okay, well, for the sake of time, let's move on to the very last segment, fall in, which is going to be very brief. (laughs) This is a segment that I've been excited for with Transformers to put it up my film professor's knows. Can you find meaning? Can you find artistic messages? The moral of the story, as my dad always called it, in a ridiculous movie like Transformers. Um, In the press interview, uh, Michael Bay was asked about the theme and very obviously said the theme of no sacrifice, no victory. And I think that that, for a story that you're telling of a boy becoming a man, you know, that coming of age story that this very much is for the character of Sam, like, while that is very archetypal, that is a legitimate lesson that you learn as you become an adult is is the need for sacrifice for victory and and there's something about it that does mesh well in this chaos that is a michael bay summer blockbuster and and for the most part while that theme does have a lot of its failings like we talked about and has really poor ideas with prime it, it does work in some ways i would say
1: Uh I'll I'll go next. I think one of the things that you take from this is, you know, also w was Sam, you have this crazy responsibility thrust upon you and you just have to react in the moment. You know, you don't always get to plan what's going to happen, how you're gonna react, or you know, how things are gonna go. And you can either decide that woe was me, or you can try and do something about it. Um you know, I think I think there's a a message there where he steps up to the plate to, you know, just try and make the best of the situation. And I, I think even with, you know, Optimus Prime and Megatron, I think, you know, there's again, it's not completely fleshed out. And if you know Transformers, then it's a little bit easier. But there's just that sense of when you think you're right, you're right. and There's not always, you know, there's in this movie, if you're just looking at it, I think there is some room to say, well, so wait a minute, why are the Decepticons like, why are the Decepticons bad? Like what, like what actually happened? And I think there's a curiosity there to know, well, what's their story? Like, why, why did this happen? Why are these two groups completely different? And I think, too, that is god it's so you know prevalent now but you're the same species you're the same race and you're fighting like you're fighting with each other over like over what so i think there's a lot um of you know i think there's a lot in that that you can kind of look at in this
2: movie well said i think there's also kind of an interesting nobility with optimus because his own guys even question him when he's talking about, we protect the humans. We protect the humans. This is not their fight. You know, they're like, "Um, we're like ultra powerful. We have cannons built into our arms. Like, (laughs) yeah, like, why do we care? Like, why are we putting ourselves in a position where it's harder to accomplish our mission? Our guys might take more damage as a result of us also having to protect the human beings while we're at it. And Optum's like, no, this is not their fight. This is not up to them. Um, You know, yes, they may be primitive, but were we so different? You know, he's got, I want to say that's almost a direct quote. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is. And it's it's kind of an interesting idea, um, you know, just that it's got nothing to do with them. And yet we're thrusting our war upon them and they are collateral damage, but we have to minimize it. Uh, I think it's just kind of an interesting idea. And it's really only because Optimus says this is how it's going to be that the other guys even go along with it. And maybe Bumblebee a little bit, but the other ones are just like, nah, man, let's just womp Decepticons however we can. And if we squish a, a little meat bag, oh, well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's that sense of if, you know, if you can protect somebody, I I, I don't, you know, not the whole with great power comes the right responsibility thing. But, <laughs> you know, you but we, also, not not that. <laughs> right. Like, because we, we brought this to them, and like, we, Optimus is really like, we have a responsibility to protect people that can't protect themselves based on the situation. Yeah.
0: So I, 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 I completely agree. And I think that there's something about it. I, I joked about this last episode, I think, where I said, like, I mean, Peter Cullen definitely helps, but Optimus Prime could come down and just tell me to go to battle, and I would be there. Like I just would. And and there's something about the leader of Optimus Prime that just like gets to me somehow. And I think a lot of people can agree with that. Again, that is definitely the voice behind it.
1: But it's there's also
0: Yeah. Don't <laughs> reveal it to everyone on the internet. Um, but there's that definitely that nobility that I think that adds like a well, yeah, not only is this someone who just has leadership qualities that that makes me want to follow them, like what they're leading towards is something that I can get behind. And and yeah if Optimus like,
2: Prime if if Optimus Prime if Captain America if Aragon comes to me and says "Rob you're needed in battle." I'm, I'm okay guys, which point me where you going? need me. Yeah, exactly. Where are we going?
0: Yeah, well said. Um cool. Well, that is our review of Transformers. I I'm curious, Rob, before we get into our real rating. We joked a lot about m- m- me and Matt trying to win you over, you know, me trying to defend Michael Bay. Do you feel like just personally that i that we were able to defend him in, in any way or did you already have those more positive opinions about this
2: kind of anomaly of a
0: transformers film
2: um so you know if we were doing the live up segment um this film exceeded my expectations oh, because well, i've totally we were supposed to do that i forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> because coming into it i kind of just the whole series as a as a just you know start to finish just really i don't regard very well uh, and most people don't um and there's there's problems with this first one that i kind of forgot how many things do work so watching it this time i was pleasantly surprised and i was like yeah i'm i'm into this like i'm having a really good time watching this right now so yes as far as living up to my expectations it exceeded them um, and I I feel like I went into this with and I try to do this every time, but I really force myself to go into this with a very open mind and not have preconceived notions of what I remember I dislike or remember we're stupid or plot holes about this about this first film and how it just falls off a cliff very quickly uh in subsequent films. So um I think just coming into it with an open mind really did um uh, improve my overall feeling on this one, which is kind of fun and and this is To me, one of the things I've enjoyed most about podcasting and movie reviews is going back to revisit things and and coming away with a different opinion. Um, Matt and I did a review on The Watchmen, and I came away with a very different opinion on that film than I had previously remembered. I I think probably the biggest one is um, Matrix Reloaded. I used to not like that movie at all. and uh, I think if you cut about 10 minutes out of it, you've got a pretty darn good film there. So, you know, th- this one uh, gave me an opportunity to revisit my thoughts on it, and I was glad for the the chance to do that.
0: Uh, well, good. I, I think that my... Uh, if I were to rate Rob's review, it <laughs> exceeded my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, okay. Well, for the sake of time, let I completely forgot about the live-up section. Like, just... I even wrote down all the segments in our chat. So I didn't forget them. And I forgot what, well, you know what? It's late and it's been a long week. So let's from that show, bring over the real rating out of five reels. What would we rate this again? We all guess, including himself, that Rob is going to be the rotten, not necessarily as someone who dislikes it, but just someone who has the least amount of like for it. If that makes sense. And then it's going to be, I, I guessed half a reel. That was my guess. So what it, we would differentiate, um, I wrote a review that I will link below on Letterboxd where I gave this movie five stars. And that review, I stand by. That was a five-star experience watching that movie. But uh, to give it a reel, I'm going to give it four. And a lot of that is my nostalgia. A lot of that is just my personal uh, taste in the flavor that is Michael Bay and this being one of his better flavors, if you will. Uh, That was a horrible analogy. Um, but yeah, for reels, there's just a lot of it that really, really does work. The parts of it that don't, I'm able to ignore and just move past and just kind of accept as the way it is and more so enjoy my enjoyment of it. And, uh, it's continued to work for me. Like, it's not one of those films. It's like, yeah, I know I, I like this and I want to watch it and I've been disappointed. I've, I, I, th- this is going to sound weird because I've always known when I've, I'm getting into when I watch this particular Transformers movie, I've never been let down by it. It's always been what I wanted. Um, and delivers what I want from it. Uh, so yeah, four reels um, for the sake of suspense, Rob, we'll have you go last. So Matt, what would you give it out of, out of five reels? Uh,
1: so I am going to go, I don't have a, a full review on letterbox, but I have rated all of these movies on letterbox. And I give this three and a half. I do think there's still some things that are wrong with it. Um, but I, I do find a lot of enjoyment in, in this movie. I think it's coherent for the most part. The humor works. Um, the score is incredible. The visuals are incredible. And yeah, I, I get this three and a half. Solid.
0: All right, Rob, before you go, I was watching you. For those of you <laughs> that don't know, we're, we're doing video. And you were hiding your mouth with your hand, which makes me think you either gave it something higher than, these are the three things that went through my head. I like, did he give it something <laughs> higher than Matt? Like, no way. Or did he give it a three? And I got the half a real. Or you gave it like a one and we just were all way off. But I, I think my guess is I think it's gonna be three.
1: I'm sticking with three. Rob's like sitting there covering his mouth because he's like, How the hell do I talk to these guys? What are they doing? Why are they rating it like this? <laughs> what is wrong with them?
2: Um so yeah, uh Matt, you uh you gave it three and a half reels. Um wow, that's a lot lower than I thought it would be. Uh, four. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, did you say four? Four reels. No. Oh, Four reels, boys. Wow. Uh, um. yeah, I I kind of surprised myself at that. Again, I it might just be um and I kind of look at it as as I sit here today, my most recent interaction with the film, did I like it? Did I was I able to look past the things that I didn't like? Um, and this most recent time, whatever it was, might have just been the mood I was in that day. Um yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it and I forgave it. It's it's weird parts that don't work and was just able to have a really good time with it. So, yeah, four reels. Matt wow. you were rotten.
1: I, I have a quick follow-up question. <laughs> were were you were you able to eat that delicious beef jerky that you were talking about because that <laughs> might have influenced your rating. Yeah. It might yeah. it might not be
2: fair. Yeah, I uh no, I, I think I had, like, two beers, you know, uh, as I was watching, and that was it. Yeah, that was, that was all. Oh, okay. my gosh. Wow. I couldn't believe
0: it. I, I never thought that it would happen where, like, all three of us confidently guessed that Rob would be the Ron, <laughs> And that, like, forget Transformers for a moment. Just like any time that the three of us confidently guessed that it's you, Rob, it usually is when all three
2: of us are confident. I think and Turtles then, was the one exception.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Transformers would be the exceptions to that is hilarious to me. And now in my letterbox profile, I can put proven defender of Michael Bay and I can <laughs> link to this podcast and I would be proven defender of Michael Bay.
2: Yeah, between Ninja Turtles and uh, Transformers, if we could just get Masters of the Universe in there somehow and Legos, you've got my entire childhood.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, I am... I am eagerly anticipating what the next <laughs> thoughts are going to be. So I, I, I'm really I'm I'm super excited to talk about Dark of the Moon, but
0: I I am nervous to talk about Revenge of the Fallen. That that's the one that I've seen like, like the least, that I haven't seen in the longest time. And so I don't really know what I think about it. And then to know that I said that I'm gonna take the Defender of Michael Bay title very seriously over the next five episodes, I don't know if I can, but I'm gonna try. <laughs>
2: i are going to be like the public defender that has to represent a guy that knows (laughs) (laughs) he's actually murdered a guy and you have to at least make sure he gets a fair trial by the state. (laughs) Uh,
1: I was, I was actually curious to be like, I wonder like just are off the cusp, like, Hey, it's probably been a very long time, but whatever you remember, what do you think? Like, what would have been your rating of two, three, four, and five. And then on a rewatch, be like, okay, How much did it change, or you know, did it not change at all? Okay, because I think maybe for Rob, I think maybe Transformers One probably changed at least decently.
2: Yeah, at least at least a full reel. So
0: that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to write it down super quick, um, and we will do that, and then I'll let you guys go because it's super late. Um, All right. So off the top of your head. What would you rate the the, the films out of, out of five reels that you can remember?
1: Yeah, um I'll, I'll go it's It's super simple, and I'll start right in order. Um, Revenge of the Fallen is one reel. Um, oh gosh Dark of the Moon is two reels. Age of Extinction is two and a half reels, and the last night is a half a reel. Oh. I hate.
2: I hate that movie. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, I've only seen parts of the fourth. I've never actually seen the fifth. Um, Matt's rankings sound very close to where I think mine are.
0: Okay, so I'm just going to put the same as Matt. So you've never
2: seen um, the last night. I heard it was terrible and never bothered to find out for myself. Well, I'm going to have to send you some beef jerky or something when it comes to the episode,
0: <laughs> if I stand a chance. Um, okay. Just
1: just remember, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, super quick, Revenge of the Fallen. I'm, I know my ratings are going to be kind of generous because I really like these movies, but I'm going to say for that one, I'm going to give it a one and a half. For Dark of the Moon, I'm going to give it a three. For Edge of Extinction, I'm going to give it a... Two and a half. I remember not really liking that one, but we'll see. And for the last night, against all my better instincts, I'm going to give it a three and a half.
1: And <sighs> Oh, I so, cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> I, oh, no. I cannot what wait. I we got to go uh, into reverse order now. We got to do last night.
0: <laughs> we got to build up to it. That's an <laughs> ultimate Michael Bay <laughs> podcast review.
1: Rob, that might have to be one where we the last night we might have to watch that together. Cause similar to what you yeah. said to me, I, I honestly don't think you should put your son through that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you might have to call uh, child protective services yeah, to come get yeah, him.
1: That might be one where, yeah, we grab a case of Sam Adams, you know, seasonal lager or something. And we crack open a couple
2: and get, and get through that. It well, it'll be like our own personal support group, how we yeah. get through it together.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: Sweet. Well, um,
0: thank you again both for being here. This I I've really enjoyed myself with this episode. It was a ton of fun. At the ending, obviously, that was like everything I could have hoped it to be. Rob, you really just gave me what I was hoping for.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh it was not this was not scripted anybody. <laughs> um and that was just a ton of fun. So thank you for joining me. I know it's late for you guys. I appreciate you pushing a little bit later for me to to get back from work. Rob, enjoy your trip that you're going on. Also, Look forward to the episodes that are coming at Matt Goes to the Movies and here at The Basin Bins. You can get in contact with both of us on social media, email. We love hearing from you. Reviews on any podcasting place, but especially podchaser.com. It allows you to leave reviews on the full podcast or the episode as a whole. Super helpful. We really, really do appreciate it. Lots of fun. Um, but you can follow Um, Both Matt Goes to Movies and The Basement Binge on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Additionally, Matt Goes to the Movies has a Facebook group that you can join and you can contribute to the conversations happening there. But in case you didn't hear it enough, this is The Basement Binge, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.